Welcome to the Everyday Mum Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fitzpatrick, and this podcast is for mums everywhere. It's a chat between real mums sharing what works, what doesn't, how they do life, and how they fill their cup. It's often the little changes that you make to your everyday that have the biggest impact. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Everyday Mum podcast. Today I'm so excited. I'm talking to Nicole, who is going to give you guys so many nuggets of wisdom um, with relation to being a mum, and she runs an amazing business that she's going to tell you all about in a moment. Hello, Nicole. Hi, how are you, Kaidi? I'm good. How are you? Very good. That's good. So what we'll do, um, we'll have a chat first of all about being a mum because that's what it's about and then I'd love to talk about your business if you can tell us a bit about it. So tell me, how many children do you have, Nicole? I've got two darlings, mm-hmm. <laughs> four, 14 and 12. 14 and 12. And uh, girls, boys, what? 14-year-old uh, is a boy, 12-year-old mm-hmm. is a girl. Awesome. That's good. And uh, so, so I've spoken to some mums who uh, have little babies and don't get much sleep, but you'd be past all that now. Uh, you would think so. My daughter sleep. <laughs> my daughter sleep talks a lot. Oh wow! So, okay. So I I do still, um, you know, don't go into that deep deep slumber. But it's nothing compared to new motherhood. Oh, I know that sleep deprivation. But it does end if you're a new mum. It does end. It gets better. <laughs> Absolutely. And tell me, when you had your first baby, what would you say was one of the biggest struggles? Or did you did you find any anything hard or you know something that was confronting or anything when you first became a mum? Yeah, well, just going straight to the heart of the matter, um, I actually found that the unhealed parts of my relationship with my mother came oh, wow. front and centre. Okay, yeah. Did you want to talk a bit about that or? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I um, there's a woman who, oh gosh. Sorry. Yeah. Um. The, the, the. Yeah. Basically, you know, the parts of me that still longed for her, mm-hmm. uh, and longed for a relationship other than the relationship that we had at the time, um, it just came right up front and centre because I really needed her support. Yeah. Okay. And and I didn't really get it. And um, yeah, it was really difficult and challenging and it you know I managed to get the physical support from elsewhere but yeah just the the emotional wounding really came up because I I just really longed for her in a way that I hadn't as a either a single woman or a you know partnered woman yeah without children like it was just it was all about um yeah just really needing that that the security of knowing that yeah. my mother's love was there. Yeah, okay. And, and so how did you, you said that you got the physical support elsewhere and that. How did you overcome that or how did you ad- address that so that you were okay inside? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it it um, it took a few more years before I landed on a modality that just really went straight to the core of um, of my longing and my desires mm-hmm. and, and you know gave me the um 
gave me a feeling of of being able to you know really contact that primal pain mm-hmm. um and and heal it so yeah it was yeah. awesome yeah and and, and, so- and the, I then went on to actually do the work with my mother and and have the necessary conversations and and you know heal um what we could together as well yeah 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 and so would you say that when you had your daughter who a couple of years later had that had like did you feel better then like had, had it corrected itself and was it a totally different experience for you yeah it was um I don't know whether corrected itself like you know it it was more sort of like it was just something that I really deeply needed to journey through and I'd been putting it off most of my life Mm -hmm. um and not really realizing the intensity of of the wounding and and it came up you know when I became a mother myself so Mm -hmm. it wasn't really like you know there was anything to fix it was just something that was always on my life trajectory and I just had to you know do the work and move through it and not yeah. try and hide from it anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, it was a bit hard to be having that huge sort of emotional journey at the same time as being so physically needed. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and definitely, you know, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing process um, of getting to know myself as a woman and as a mother and, and what my needs are and, and finding a way to meet them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, that's a lot of um, mums that I've spoken to and a lot of, you know, even myself, you're still the person you were before you were a mother, but now you've got all of these other things that you're trying to deal with. And it's kind of like finding not a new identity, but who you are, as you just said, how you fit into the whole equation of everything and, and the balance and still being you. Mm. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's quite complex terrain. That's oh, for sure. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yes, I would totally agree. We could probably talk about that for hours, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and tell me, so if you was, if someone who's uh, either about to have a baby or has just had a baby, what would you, what would be a tip that you would give a new mum after of having two children and, um, you know, being a little bit further down the road than they would be? What would be something that you would say to them? If there are old wounds sitting there, you know, it's a good idea to do some work on them before you are either pregnant or before you have the baby because mm-hmm. not only can they come up and really get in the way during birth, but um, if not in birth, then quite possibly in early motherhood. And, yeah, um, I really encourage women to to do that work bef- while they can. Yeah. You know, because when then you've got little ones and it can be years before you can get away to do any kind of deep exploration. And whether that means, you know, counselling or private sessions with somebody or actually getting away for a retreat or a a longer format workshop, you know, it can be quite impossible up until they're about four or five years of age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, and that's a long time to sit with your stuff bumbling under the surface. So doing that work while you can, I think, is really helps to make early motherhood easier emotionally yeah. and also birth itself. Yeah, right. And this is look, this is probably a perfect time to bring in, um, you know, what, what you do for a job. Would you like to tell our listeners what you do and um, how this all kind of works in together with what you're speaking about? 
Yeah, well, I I do a form of spiritual preparation for conception or birth. Mm -hmm. I work with a modality called the birth into being method. And basically it's for women who, women or couples, um, although it, it is predominantly women, mm -hmm. um, that seek this work out. And I, and I always specify for those coming to my workshops, like if your man is coming along because he's being dragged, uh, <laughs> then there's not that much point in him coming. Yeah. Um, basically, it's really deep inner work that explores your own entry to life and uses that as a doorway to deep healing. Okay. So um, looking at how we came into the world, were we loved, embraced, welcomed, were we born into bliss and joy and safety or were you know was it a traumatic entry to life mm -hmm. um were we wanted yeah you know that that is a biggie because you know even though lots of parents rise to the occasion and um continue on with their pregnancies have the baby do their best it's such a big big ask of a woman and of a fa of a couple and if they're not completely congruent about whether or not that baby is wanted, that sort of emotion and, and um, you know, way of relating does filter on down to the baby and it cr okay. creates kind of settings in the nervous system. Yeah. Uh, and the way that, that, you know, the way that you experience life as a newborn baby creates imprints in the nervous system and, the, and they can inform your life in an ongoing way. Mm -hmm. um, and all of that comes up again around motherhood. Yeah. Okay. So that that so, yeah. So depending on how they come into the world and their experience and how what you just spoke about, you know, whether they were wanted and all of that, the security and that that can then raise its head later when they become a mother or a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it creates basically it creates core beliefs that inform our emotional bodies. Yeah. You know. And inform the way we perceive the world and whether that when I say it can all come up again around motherhood, mm -hmm. meaning. It may come up as as a woman approaches conception. Yeah. Okay. And what about uh, sorry? Or or as she approaches birth, or again, like my own journey that I spoke about in mm -hmm. early motherhood, when you know it's really kind of um, hitting you what what your needs are and how much is being required of you, and um, yeah, it can you know sort of trigger old belief systems and create good fodder for healing yes and so we do, do with going into parenthood does this also do men have these same kind of feelings do you know what I mean like is it as becoming a father does absolutely back? yeah okay so do you absolutely. work with men as well a lot? I do yeah. I do and okay. generally that they come in a couple but um sometimes it's you know bringing their own stories around their own entries to life or circumcision trauma, mm -hmm. all sorts of different um, kind of subgroups of men that, that come. But very often it is when they're approaching conception or birth. And, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago I had a lovely couple travel to do a weekend with me and they, the guy's main um, feeling was one of, of you know, just really searching in his soul for that belief that that he could do this yeah. that he could be the father that he wanted to be yeah you know and he was reflecting on all of his own childhood and how much had been provided for him and what a loving space he'd grown up in and um and yet he was you know his main story was around being f fearful 
that he wouldn't be able to deliver yeah, right. to his child. Yeah, see, now after having, you know, four children, I never, I, you know, maybe ignorance, I've never been aware of this. Do you know what I mean? So if someone was listening and this is the first they've heard of it, how would you, um, I suppose, in your soul, in your heart, know that you needed, they'd need, there could be some healing for you to feel better? Does that make sense? Mm. Uh, that's a great question. Yeah. And usually it presents as, um, inhibiting beliefs Mm -hmm. around your ability to like so let's use the example of somebody approaching birth you know uh having inhibiting beliefs about feeling like they can do it yeah that they're uh maybe struggling to access trust in their body Mm -hmm. you know so we scroll through facebook and it's all about trust your body and uh you know there's all these gorgeous succinct little memes around what we need for birth but for a lot of people uh, you know, that stuff doesn't flow naturally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, fears, inhibitions, patterns of behaviour and patterns of relating. Yeah. Um, anyone that's got a, a relationship with a saboteur that lives inside of themselves, mm-hmm. the one that gets in the way of the things that they might be, you know, that they might say they want, they're actively moving towards it and yet the self-sabotage kicks in and yet again, you know, the plans fall through, they lose the mojo halfway through a project, Mm -hmm. you know, they sabotage a relationship, you know, those sorts of things. And and also one's relationship with trust. So if somebody has, you know, overwhelming anxiety about the unknown and what life has to offer and what's going to happen and will my children be okay, will I be okay, um, that speaks to a, a, you know, an unstable relationship of trust. Yeah. And so the work that I do very much um, provides experiences of deep trust. And we basically we do a whole bunch of amazing processes in a workshop and then or over Skype and then um, or people travel to meet like this other lovely couple and I love that model. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and and then it's the participant's job to cultivate those states of being that they've um, imprinted on their nervous system. Yeah, right. And so that by, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, by going through the workshops and stuff like that, they can, I suppose, rewrite, gosh, I can't even speak today, <laughs> rewrite their beliefs around those things so that they can um, change those pathways. Because I do know that you can change um, patterns and pathways in the brain and is that how it kind of works yes this yes. is like neuroplasticity for the emotional body yeah right okay this is and really interesting yeah it's for the limbic system the limbic system is the part of the brain that governs our feelings and our emotions yeah and um it develops way before the neocortex which is the you know the frontal lobes that deal yeah. with rational rational thought Thinking. and logic yeah. and obligations and things like that the the limbic system is all about feelings and emotions yeah right wow this is so interesting and so if people listening wanted to find out more where could they find you on the net to have a look and learn a bit more because I've checked out your website obviously but I'm I'm going to look more into it too because I find it really interesting so where could our listeners find you uh I my website is birthintobeing.com.au yep the Facebook page is birthintobeing.com Australia 
There is also birthintobeing.com and the Facebook page as well, which are the international, um, you know, organisation. Yep. Uh, and then I'm just doing the Australian part of it. Yep. Um, but both of those are excellent resources with loads of information about limbic imprint recoding. Mm-hmm. and the limbic system in general and how it, you know, how it feeds us and governs our experiences of life. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I will yeah. definitely pop those both in the show notes so people can just click through um, to the Facebook page and also to your website to find out some more because that's, you know, it's, it's you know, this the world is such a big place and there's so many different things that you just don't know about. Do you know what I mean? And I just think that this is, you know, this is something I've never known about even after having four children. So it's just um, I'll definitely be reading more about it too because it's, um, yeah, really interesting. So hopefully people that are listening that are, <clears throat> excuse me, I do have a frog in my throat today, um, people that are listening, um, you know, if they've got any of those feelings and that or they're approaching birth and stuff, they could definitely jump on there and have a look and I'm sure that would be very helpful to them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, one one thing I'd also like to mention uh, is the generational patterns that appear in birth and very often women will birth in a similar way to how they were birthed okay. and if there's a pattern going on there for the women in their lineage that they would like to break um, doing some conscious work around it is a really good idea yeah. because the the details of their birth story might be slightly different but with an energetic pattern behind it so um and very common, it's one of disempowerment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's something interesting to to mention as well. Yeah, absolutely. See, I had, when I had my first baby, I had preeclampsia. So I was quite sick when I had her. And I ended up having her at, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that frog's back. I had her at uh, 32 weeks. So she was eight weeks preemie because my blood pressure was bad and she was not doing well and stuff like that too. So I'd kind of just gone into hospital with the attitude that, you know, let's just have a baby. I hadn't really thought about it. I was quite young too, but I hadn't really thought about it a lot before then, maybe also because she was so early. I suppose it's at that time when people are starting to, you know, do their birth plans and all that kind of stuff. I didn't really have one. <laughs> I was just like, let's yeah. go have a baby. <laughs> so, you know, it's really interesting. And, and as I said, I, you know, had I known about this beforehand, I would have liked to have, um, you know, I read every parenting birth, you know, what are those books? Um, Up the Duff, is that one of them? Yeah. I, I did yeah. everything, everything I possibly could, but I didn't even know that this was around. So it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah, well, it's kind of, it's one of the, um, niches you know related to conscious birth basically and you know what's wonderful is that as we learn and grow more as a sort of birth um you know more more and more birth advocates kind of stepping up and doing their work for the world more and more areas are opening up and um saying that you know the field of pre and perinatal psychology has been around for over 30 years and um it's just you know that the depth and subtlety um of our awareness around the importance of birth is growing and I guess my work is part of that mm-hmm. is of saying you know not only can we take care of the births that we are having mm-hmm. bringing new beings into the world but we can also um you know deal with our own birth imprints and you know really have some awareness around them work with them so that we don't let them get in our way 
Yeah, to do the things we want to do. Wow. That's right. I love that. Well, your, ba- your babies are lucky to have you when they get older, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> They'll be all sorted. Well, I'll, I'll have to be tread very carefully because I don't want anybody rebelling and, you know, yes. <laughs> running off for, um, you know, the highest level of interventionist care that they could possibly get just to stick it to me. Yes. My children are, are extremely empowered little individuals and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah I have to. Tread lightly right. in what I share with them so that I don't put them off. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's that's the whole thing of motherhood is treading lightly, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, the heavy hand never works, so, you know. Um, yes, absolutely. So tell me, you so you've worked from home. Yep. Yeah, you run your own business. So tell me, how do you, what would be, I mean, I work from home as well, as you know, and it's sometimes quite chaotic because my space is my total space for my whole life you know I live in it I work in it the same with you what would you say are three things that you do at home that make that work with children at home and working at home like what makes your life easy at home maybe they're time hacks or organizational or something that you do at home that makes it work well I guess you know what I spend um, a fair bit of time writing and you know emailing with people, prospective clients and so on. And, you know, obviously all that sitting time on the computer gets a bit tedious and difficult for the body. So what really works for me is um, I live in the bush so Mm -hmm. I can go for a quick, you know, even just 10 minutes walk um, and I'll be in a beautiful place surrounded by nature and, you know, we have quite tricky reception out here so I'm, you know, I can very rapidly get myself away from all Wi-Fi vibes and yes. and get out into the forest and have a, a little mini break like that so that really works for me yeah um it also really works that sometimes I'm taking a break and I'll go out and hang the washing in the sun and yeah. you know do a couple of little householdy chores mm-hmm. as a break from my work and then come back to it and it means that I'm not sort of arriving home at five o'clock after a day in the office and then doing all the household yes. it's one of the stuff one of the bonuses I think to be able to do that Totally. And it both works for and against me. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like all that stuff gets in the way. But I, I, as time goes on, I'm getting more and more proficient at ignoring the jobs that I don't want to do. That's good. (laughs) I need to do that. You need to teach me how to do that. (laughs) Yeah. I need to do that. Excuse me. Yep. And so do the kids, uh, do your children do chores? Oh, not as much as I would like. I'm yet to interview a mum that goes, yes, they do have everyone's like, no. Um, yeah. Yes, we'd all like them to do a bit more. And, and, and far more negotiation than I would like oh. just to get simple tasks done. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. I've got a nine-year-old who uh, can negotiate. She should work for the FBI or someone that needs a negotiator because she's all over it. Yeah. Yeah, but that's all right. And do you do things in the house like pocket money or anything like that to bribe or? Um, no, not really. No, I tend to – my kids don't get a regular payment no. of pocket money. Mm-hmm. It's more like, you know, I just meet their needs as they arise. Yep. Um, and they're, they're fairly – you know, conservative with how they spend money or whatever. You know, it's yeah. not like they hit me up for 20 bucks and then blow it. You know, no. they're pretty good. Yeah. But, you know, I just kind of meet their needs as we go along. And yeah. 
Um, I've really tried to avoid the bribe thing yes. because I sort of feel like there's so much in the household that needs to be to done, be done. Yes. regardless of anybody getting paid. Like I'm not getting paid. Yes. Um, why should I pay them? No, I totally agree. We don't do pocket money either and it's kind of because we're quite a big family of six of us and it's like, well, these chores need to be done and it's not that I'm paying you to do them. This is part of being in a team. We're all a team. We need to work together to achieve it because I'm not the team slave. <laughs> We're all going to contribute here. And so we all, you know, the kids get lots of chores done before school each day because otherwise I just can't manage it. Mm. And um, yeah. Well, yeah. sadly, we, we don't manage to get anything done in the mornings. I mean, they're totally responsible for their own dishes now, and so that's good. Yes, that's good. Um, But it is only their dishes, and mm-hmm. that's another thing. It's like, you know, okay, so we have a meal and everybody washes their plate. <laughs> Uh, what about the rest? Yes. You know, but saying that in the mornings, if they're having cereal or toast or whatever, it's very simple and they do their dishes straight up. We've, but we we did the hard yards of getting that part Sorted. down pat. Yep. Um, and, yeah, but I'd like it to go to the next step of, you know, we shall now wash the family dishes, yes. um, I, you know, and the pots and pans and whatnot. And I do sometimes, if they're getting up from the table, I will hand over my plate as well and say, could you do that for me? Yeah. And they'll do they'll do that. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> and, I agree. And I figure it's my, you know, that's my prerogative. I'm I'm there on my feet cooking the meal. I'm gonna clean up the kitchen afterwards. Absolutely. It's the least they can do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, and I'm I'm constantly affirmed when they go to other people's houses, mm-hmm. um, I usually get a text or a phone call going, How wonderful are your children? Are you? Yeah, your darling son cleared the dishes off the tables. He helped with the drying up. Nobody asked. Yes. You know, it was so wonderful. And so I do get that affirmation that as they step out into the world, they do know how to behave, but yes. they just try to, and you know, how to be a good guest <laughs> and everything, but they just try to sort of stretch it as much as they can at, at home. home. Yeah, look, I get the same. You know, people go, oh, my gosh, your children are so well-mannered. They're so good. And I say, I say to travel, at least they're doing it when they're not at home. That's a good start. You know, oh, I say to the kids, can you please pick that up? They go, it's not mine. And I go, well, it doesn't matter. Pick it up anyway. And they go, but I didn't use it. And I said, but I don't wear your clothes, but I still wash them. See how that works? And they're like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, what can you do? And so you said before that you uh, go for a walk in the bush, which I'm so jealous about because I absolutely love going for a walk in the bush. Um, Is that your only type of exercise that you do or? Um, no, I have a bike and I ride to the beach quite awesome. a lot. Yeah, that's um, cool. I haven't managed to have any kind of regular yoga practice yep. because, you know, early mornings everybody's awake by six and, it, you know, I, I can't get up at four. No. I really, no. you know, or even five. I'm, I'm. Yeah, very often I'm the last one to wake up. So yeah. um, I haven't managed to pull anything to off in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, I just do a whole variety of different things. And yeah. I'm involved with a theatre group and we do we rehearse once a week and we do awesome. quite a physical warm-up and stuff. So That's great. So what kind of yeah. theatre? Just musical theatre or? Uh, it's improvised theatre. It's a form called playback and basically it's a sharing of stories and then we – uh, play them back in a different form. So whether that be a fluid sculpture or a collage or a, wow. you know, d- different kind of forms that we have. And we're a troupe, you know, we're seven women and um, 
Yeah, that's lots of fun. And we do lots of physical warm-up and dance. Yeah, within right. that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's Plus really I'd cool. love to go dancing whenever I possibly can. Yes. It's good fun to turn some music on. You can just do that around the house and no one's there even. Absolutely. Have a dance off. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and what was I going to say? So how do you handle, you said before that you cook. Does anybody else in the house cook or do you do most uh, of the cooking? I do most of it. My yeah. partner does a, a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> he would hate to hear me say this, but generally it's <laughs> the, you know, the signature meal that's sort of like the same the same dish again and again. Could you tell me what his is? Oh, he does this <laughs> tomato vegetable rice dish. Ooh, um, like it. It's a bit like a Nazi Goring style thing, yeah. you know, with a bunch of vegetables and, yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. Um, mints, you know, like mints. a bolognese sauce kind of thing that yep. will it end works. up on pasta or, you know, with bread rolls or whatever. Yep, yep. yep. Um, that's his sort of thing. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. That's good. So you do most of the cooking. Do you menu plan or do you just fly by the seat of your pants each day and, you know, whatever's going is going? Yeah, I just fly by the seat of my pants. Yeah, I did cool. I did look at some sort of menu thing at some point and I wasn't very inspired. So no. <laughs> I, I just went, oh, no. And, yeah. and yeah. Even my daughter actually once drew up this chart of what she wanted for her school lunch mm-hmm. Monday to Friday. Yeah. But, you know, how boring is that to just stick to the same thing each Each week, yeah. The- no. Although kids are yeah. funny like that. Hamish would have a Vegemite sandwich, like grainy bread Vegemite sandwich every day. And I'm like, aren't you bored? Don't you want a quiche or something or, you know, or rice paper roll? No, no, I like my sandwich, but I actually think it's because he's eight and he wants to go on the oval and play, and it's just something yep. that he can shove down really quickly and go and play. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. And so do you grocery shop daily or do you do a big shop and then just go buy what's in the fridge? I try to do a big shop so that I won't have to do, you know, hundreds of little trips mm-hmm. to the to the shop. Mm-hmm. But these days my son is drinking so much milk that almost every time we go to town I have to buy more milk. So yeah. he's um, growing, that's why. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm really blessed in that I have a veggie garden and that's awesome. another thing that I do for exercise awesome. is, yeah. you know, weeding and wheelbarrowing and yeah. general bending and stretching that is involved in gardening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a veggie garden so, you know, even if the fridge is empty, uh, I can at least get fresh herbs. Even if there's nothing else, there is always herbs and you can do, a, you know, something. Um, yeah, you know, with some legumes or something. Yeah, love know. it. No, fresh, fresh herbs go a long way. Fresh herbs um, are and I also have chooks, so oh. I get my eggs from my chookies. Oh, I want chooks. That's so cool. I love that. How many chooks do you have? There's about eight of them at the moment. Wow. So how many eggs would you get a week? Um, well, that really varies. Okay. It varies according to where they are in their cycles of molting and not molting. And, yep. um, yeah, we average about two or three a day. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And I, would, I wouldn't know how many I get per week because I, uh, they, they're eaten <laughs> as, <laughs> as fast as they come in. So yeah, I love fresh eggs. Eggs are, we, we're a big egg family. We go through a couple of dozen of eggs a week between all mm. of us. Most mornings uh, we'll have eggs, whether it's a dippy egg, the two littles like that, or an omelette or scrambled egg. 
I'd much prefer to feed them eggs for breakfast than uh, cereal out of a box. Definitely. Absolutely. So this is totally off topic, but I have a veggie garden as well and I was speaking to someone the other day, what is the, a good thing to plant now? Because I need to plant. What would you suggest? So we're in, we're recording this in mid-March, if someone's <laughs> listening to it later in the uh, year, but mid-March, what would you say is I should be putting in at the moment? Squashes and things like that, yeah. time to get the seedlings in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gosh, see, I'm on the mid-north coast yeah, of New South Wales it's and it's extremely warm here. Yeah, so I'm I'm sort of thinking, thinking about you all the way down south and going, gosh, I wouldn't even know what your wintertime plants are because it's been so long since I've... Yeah, of course. See, I didn't even think of that. See, that's how good a gardener I am. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it's been, I've actually never gardened in mm-hmm. Melbourne. Yeah. Um, I've never lived permanently in Melbourne mm-hmm. uh, and I know that the climate is hugely different just between there and Sydney, but between Sydney and here where I am, it's, it's different, different again. again. Yeah. I can I can grow tomatoes all year round oh. and in my seedling tray at the moment, yeah. I have celery, uh, tomatoes, some lettuces and some um, basil. Wow, and there you go. And all those things would be normally... You know, you'd be sort of picking yes. them up for the year. But Absolutely. for me, um, I can grow it all year round. And actually this season coming in, mm-hmm. the autumn, is fantastic for the lettuces and stuff. Yeah. 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 I, I, have a, I have a garden just outside the kitchen. I have a big garden a mm-hmm. bit further away, but I have also garden beds just near the kitchen door and I actually grow copious amounts of lettuce and stuff there so that we can whack it into every sandwich or every yes, dish that's yes. created. I love um, it. I love it. See, I yeah. had snow peas and that kind of thing late last year. I had all those going, but you know, I never once got them into a salad because the kids play out the back and they just kept eating out of the garden, which is yeah. a good problem to have. But I was like, wouldn't it be nice to make a salad with the stuff out of the garden if there was ever any left, you know? But they'll just uh, break off hands of spinach and they just eat it out the back. Yeah, which is fantastic because, you know, if they get a little bit of snail slime or a little bit of dirt in there as well, um, it's really fantastic for their immune system. Oh, absolutely. I'm a big fan of kids going out and getting dirty and playing and, uh, you know, that's exactly, that is their immune system and that's how they have good immunity. bit of germs never killed it. Well, probably did kill someone, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. And my daughter would never, when she was younger, she would never eat a mixed salad. So okay. my way around that was to take her to the garden with me as if I was picking for a meal and she would do the same, have handfuls of this and that. Yeah. And um, it meant that she was getting all that nutrition and then if she wanted to have plain rice uh, for her dinner, she could. Yeah didn't matter yeah I'm exactly the same the kids eat most of their salad while they're making the salad and then by the time it gets to the table half of it's gone anyway and then often travels say guys you haven't had any salad and I'd go babe they've eaten half of it while they were making it so yeah as long as they get it in yeah. somewhere it doesn't matter where they eat it that's right absolutely yeah. well thank you so much for talking to me today Nicole I'm just wrapped to talk to you and thank you for educating me about the uh, birth into being because I'm definitely going to jump on the website and do a bit more reading and stuff on that because as I said it's not something that I've known about before and I hope that um you know either new mums or mums that are trying to fall pregnant or you know mums that have just got kids if they're having any of those problems that they check you out because I'm sure that uh 
they can definitely benefit from that. Yeah. Thanks, Heidi. It's been lovely to talk. Lovely to talk to you too. And uh, we'll chat again one day, hopefully. Yeah. Next time I will have to talk to you about uh, Nappy Free. Oh, yes. I'd love to. Yes, definitely. All right. Let's book that one in. And um, so do you, the babies go Nappy Free? Yeah, I raised both my children without nappies and I made a film about it and I don't do it anymore but I used to do public talks and stuff about how to uh, implement that practice and it's really fascinating for new mothers. Okay, I'm definitely going to we're going to book that in and uh, watch this space if you're listening because that sounds amazing. I'd love to hear about that one as well. Great. But thank you for talking to me today. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Bye. Bye. For more inspiration, interviews, recipes, tips and tricks to help you thrive in this crazy mess we call motherhood, head to wellnessmummy.com. Thanks for joining me. 